Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Well, hello there, family. Everybody doing okay today? All right, just checking in with you. Uh, I thought I'd show you a picture of this cutie right here. That is my 19-year-old daughter, about 17 and a half years ago. And uh, before I tell you the story that I'm about to tell you about her, it's really important for you to understand two things. Number one, I do have permission to tell this story. I asked her if it was okay. I did not twist her arm. She gave me enthusiastic uh, permission. I don't know. Enthusiastic might be too strong, but it wasn't reluctant. How about that? So she is okay with me sharing this story. So you can like let that side, you know, let that out when, when the time comes. It's okay. I have permission. Number two, if you laugh at the story I'm telling you, you are a bad person. Um, and I am a bad person too, um, just for the record. And Rochelle, and Kyla wants me to let you know that if you laugh, she forgives you. Um, but so uh, about 17 and a half years ago, when Kyla was about a year and a half old, uh, I heard a shriek come from the, from the kitchen. Rochelle and I were not in the kitchen. We hear this shriek. It's Kyla just screaming. And, you know, it's that kind of shriek that makes the parents' uh, blood turn cold, and you're like, what, you know, oh my word, what's happened? What, what could have, you know, what could have gone wrong in there? Because it just sounded like she was being murdered. And so we ran into the kitchen, and there is Kyla with her hand stuck in a cupboard. The, the door is closed on her hand, right? And, and, and she looks at us like it's our fault, and maybe it was, because maybe we didn't have it child locked, I don't know, but whatever. The, the point is, what the real problem was, was what was happening. It wasn't that the door was closed on her hand, it was that she was trying to get the door open, but instead of pulling, she was pushing. And so she looks at us and she pushes a little harder and shrieks. And in that, you know, that frozen moment, you're sitting there, you're like, whoa, whoa, don't do, don't do that, Kyla. So she pushes harder and she shrieks louder. And, you know, and the whole time she's just looking at Rochelle and I like it's our fault. Like, and so I, we, you know, run over, grab her, pull her away so that her fingers come out and, and says, Kyla, Kyla, you know, if... You know, hopefully that never happens again, but if you ever get your fingers in there, you can't push it. That's what hurts. You got to pull it away. She's a year and a half old. It happened again. (laughs) Now, it's important for you to know that she had the highest SAT score in her senior class when she graduated. Now, so... She didn't ask me to tell you that. That's just a dad brag. It's okay. Um, so, so, you know, it wasn't an intelligence issue. It was just a developmental issue. You know, you have to learn the difference between pushing and pulling and how to get yourself out of the problems that you're in. But I was glad that I was able to be there because I'm pretty sure she would maybe still be there right now pressing, 
if we hadn't rescued her from that. And uh, I come across a story in the Bible in the book of Exodus, chapter 2. The children of Israel have spent about 400 years in the land of Egypt, and somehow they have gone from being free to becoming slaves. And slavery is not a good thing. It's a terrible thing. It's an awful thing. It is a painful thing. It is an ugly thing. And in chapter 2 of Exodus, verse 23, we pick up the story and it says, After the death of the king of Egypt, the Israelites still complained because they were forced to be slaves. They cried out for help, and God heard their loud cries. He did not forget the promise he had made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And because he knew what was happening to his people, can you read that last line with me? He felt sorry for them. You know, my fingers weren't slammed in that cupboard, but man, I felt the pain. You know what I'm saying? Man, I felt it. I felt it. And I think it's important for us to stop and know that God feels the pain that we experience too. God had not forgotten about them. He felt sorry for what they were going through. And so as the story proceeds, God does some incredible miracles, miraculous things to convince the Egyptians to let these Israelites go. And eventually they go. They actually, the Bible actually says they plunder the country on their way out. They get to the Red Sea. If you remember the Charlton Heston movie, the sea opens, the Israelites go through. The Egyptians try to do the same thing. The water closes on them. Israelites get to the other side of the Red Sea. They celebrate. And then they find themselves in, uh, at Mount Sinai where, where God is going to do some talking to them about some things. So over the next couple of weeks, we're doing a series that's called Follow Me Out Of. And today is Out of Egypt. We're going to be talking about places that God takes us out of. We follow God out of. Of. And the Israelites in this story follow God out of slavery. In fact, you could almost say that God dragged them out of slavery. That God kind of came up to that place where their fingers were jammed in, into that cupboard, grabbed them, pulled them out, and took them to a safe place. And we're going to talk about why he might have done that. But it's significant to know that in the New Living Translation of the Bible, this little phrase that you'll find in 2 Kings 17, 36, brought you out of Egypt, out of Egypt. That phrase occurs 67 times in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's significant because the reason it's significant is because that phrase is used over and over when God is often trying to say to his people, look, I brought you out of slavery, therefore. I brought you out of slavery. I brought you out of Egypt, therefore. In this, in this particular case in 2 Kings, it says, but worship only the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. In other words, it's saying, I saved you, so only worship me. The person that saved you with great strength and a par uh, powerful arm, bowed down to him alone and offered sacrifices only to him. So was that why God brought them out of Egypt? Because God just needed some people to worship him? 
It's kind of like some kind of egotistical thing that God's like, you know, I guess I'm going to save these people because I just need them to, you know, I need some sacrifices. I need some things done for me. You know, I really like it when people, you know, slaughter sheep and put them on altars. And so this is the purpose that I brought them out. Well, not really. God did bring them out to worship him. But sometimes we get confused about what worshiping God really means. And I want to talk about that a little bit. But first, I want to talk about this guy. He looks pretty exciting, doesn't he? B.F. Skinner, for those of you who took intro to psychology. Yeah, good times. <laughs> Great guy. Um, and uh, so Skinner came up with a lot of different ideas about human motivation and how to manipulate it. Um, my word's not his. Uh, he would say uh, it's conditioning. Um, he came up with a, uh, a theory called operant conditioning. And it kind of involves the idea of negative reinforcement and positive reinforcement. We all know what negative reinforcement is and what positive reinforcement is, right? Can I, can I just refresh your memory a little bit in case you're, if, if, like me, you, because I, I was actually having this conversation with Melanie several weeks ago when I was talking about the series, and I was like, yeah, negative reinforcement, that's when you, you know, you do something negative to somebody when they do something they're not supposed to do, and she said, no, that's, that's not really it. And we had a, a discussion, it turns out she was right, um, and uh, negative reinforcement is actually when you, uh, when you subtract something Okay, so it's like you take away a negative from the environment to encourage a behavior that you're wanting to see. So you take away something negative to say, hey, look, if you do this, if you take this out, it's going to make your life better. Don't keep doing it. So let's go ahead and let, use this little example that's near and dear to my heart here in Florida. Um, I'm a redhead, and I, and I got to tell you, I burn uh, with a uh, full moon. Um, and so um, I have discovered um, something that has to do with negative reinforcement. So positive reinforcement is when you add something, when you, when you add something into the mix to encourage. So, but negative is when you take something out. So for me, the sun will sunburn me. Like I said, it, it will, I will blister. I will, it, it is not good. I have to do it. So there are two different ways that um, negative reinforcement can work. One is called, uh, according to Skinner, it is um, the escape learning, and the other is avoidance learning. So escape learning would be, instead of me sitting out on the beach, I go inside and sit inside. This happens quite a bit, to be honest with you. That's escaping. I'm getting away from the sun that is creating something negative in my life. Now, Avoidance would be me putting some suntan lotion on. So I can still be outside and I can avoid the effects of the sun by, by adding something in, but I'm still getting rid of that negative thing by doing that. So one of the things I want you to think about is what does God do? Does God ever use negative reinforcement? Well, I would like to suggest to you that you might have already caught on with the story of the children of Israel that maybe God was using some negative reinforcement, right? He takes the children of Israel out of the land of slavery and he takes them to a place, Mount Sinai, and he says these words, 
in Exodus chapter 20. Do you know what comes after the words that are up on the screen? What comes after that? Oh, thank you. Ten commandments. The ten commandments come after that. And this is really important because what does God do? He says to the children of Israel, listen. I am the Lord your God who rescued you, brought you out of the land of Egypt, the land of slavery, the place of your slavery. And then he says, therefore, do this. So I want you to think that the Ten Commandments might be a little bit like suntan lotion. You following me? The point of putting suntan lotion on is not to put suntan lotion on. The point of putting suntan lotion on is to avoid getting a sunburn. And when we talk about the Ten Commandments, perhaps the point of the Ten Commandments is not to keep the Ten Commandments, but to avoid a negative. So let's go ahead and talk about why God brought them out of, out of Egypt. Did he bring them out so that they could obey his law? Was that the purpose? Well, Jeremiah 7 gives us a little bit of a different idea. When I led your ancestors out of Egypt, it was not burnt offerings and sacrifices I wanted from them. This is what I told them, obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Do everything I say and all will be well. Now, sometimes we take that text and we put it into kind of, we, we kind of read it in the context of if you don't, I'm going to get you. All will not be well, right? The parent, all will be not well if you do this. <laughs> but is it possible that we're not reading it right when we read it that way. Is it possible that God is saying, if you do the things I've asked you to, the neg I'm removing the negatives from your life. If you follow the rules that we've given you, it's not that I'm smiting you when you don't keep them, but you're jamming your hand in the cupboard when you don't keep these things. All I'm trying to teach you is how to pull the cupboard open. Removing the negative by giving you these rules that aren't to be a slave master but to you, but are actually there to give you freedom. Follow me out of Egypt to freedom. Here's a pretty familiar verse. Oh, people, what has the Lord told you? The Lord has told you what's good, and this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. But do you know what comes before those verses? Why did God really bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Well, he wanted to relieve their suffering. But why did he want to relieve their suffering? Because when you love somebody, you don't want to see them suffer. Like I said, I don't know if Kyla wouldn't still be there to this day pressing that door if I hadn't grabbed a hold of her. I'd like to think she probably wouldn't be. But the point is, did I relieve her suffering because I was angry that she, that she was hurting herself? I was angry at her or that I needed her to be grateful to me for doing that? No, I did it because I loved her. And I shared with her how to not have it happen again because I loved her. 
And so when God tells us what to do, look at the language here. This is the language. If you look at the screen, what's the language? That is the language of relationship, my family. That is the language of relationship. God brought the children out of Israel out of Egypt so that they could be in positive relationship with him and positive relationship with each other. Remember what Jesus said the greatest commands were. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. That is relationship. Things that break relationship break God's heart. So what's the context of Micah 6, 8? Let's start at the, where it starts this idea in verse 3. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? Let's personalize it for a minute. Whole life family, what have I done to you? What have I done to make you tired of me? Do you hear the relationship? Do you hear the love? Do you hear the hurt of somebody who loves another person? What have I done to make you tired of me? Answer me. For I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from slavery. I sent Moses and Aaron and Miriam to help you. Don't you remember, my people, how King Balak of Moab tried to have you cursed and how Balaam, son of Beor, blessed you instead? And remember your journey from Acacia Grove to Gilgal and when I, the Lord, did everything I could to teach you about my faithfulness. What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before the Lord most high with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No. What God wants from you is for you to do what is right. By the way, that word can be translated justice. God wants you to do what is right, what is just in the community, in your relationship with God. God wants you to love mercy for the people who don't deserve it. God wants you to walk humbly with him. Those are all the characteristics of relationship, family, God brings us out of slavery to sin. He frees us from sin. He does it, and then he gives us his law, not because he's trying to oppress us, because he wants us to stay free. He doesn't want us to go back to the things that hurt us in the first place. He wants to free us up. This is a picture of uh, Rochelle and myself with Kyla at that time period. And if you think that we look like we love Kyla, that's only a fraction of how God feels about you. That's only a fraction of how God feels about you. God loves you. He wants to put you on his shoulders. He wants to make you laugh. He wants to hold you in his arms and make you feel safe. He doesn't do it because he needs you to do it. He does it because he loves you. And when he asks you to do things, when he asks you to do things, it's because he's trying to remove the negatives that bring pain. He's trying to help you not jam those fingers in the cupboard. He's trying to help you know how to pull that cupboard door open. And by the way, the good news is if you ask him to, as you're jamming, he'll come grab you away if you can't figure it out. 
God will be proactive with you. Why? Because God loves you. And God invites you to follow me out of Egypt. Paul says it this way in Galatians. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. Christ didn't set you free from sin so that you could be a slave again. He set you free so you could be free indeed. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not continue to jam your fingers in the cupboard. Well, Ken, it's good to be back here on stage with you again, once again. It's good to have you back here, Haas. <laughs> so uh, we have a question that came in from Aaron, and it says, how do you stop living life where you look at God like Kaylee looked at her parents, where it is his fault when I'm the one jamming my fingers in the cupboard? <laughs> Wow, that is such a good question. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes it, it takes... Um, sometimes it takes getting past the pain that you've been in. Um, I don't think that maybe... You know, the, the thing was that, that Rochelle and I didn't look at Kyla and say, you did this to yourself. Why are you blaming us? We just cuddled her and, and soothed her because we knew that she was hurting, she was in pain. And, and I'd like to just kind of say that if, if you feel like God has hurt you, um, God's not mad at you for feeling that way. Um, I don't personally believe that God did that to you, but I understand why you might feel that way. I, might, I can understand why you feel hurt. You feel like God could have stopped it. And all I would just say is if you can, if you can allow yourself to allow God to hold you and be comforted, and maybe as the pain subsides, you'll be able to see the love and mercy of God as that happens. Um, for me, um, as I've kind of gone through life, um, the further I go, when I go through those painful times and I'm tempted to blame God, I just start reading through the Psalms and I start reading through some other areas where I remind myself of the love of God. One of my favorite texts in the Bible is Romans 8, 35 through 39. That essentially says there's absolutely nothing that can separate us from God's love. And so when I feel that lie coming on that God doesn't love me or care about me, I just tell myself that, that I'm, I'm gonna exercise faith and believe in something that I don't feel. Um, and so that's, that's the best I can do for you. And I don't know whether that's particularly satisfying because if you're going through something difficult, um, I just want you to know that we're here to embrace you and love you and just the same way that God does. So, yeah. Well, uh, we are running short on time. So we're going to have just one question. But for those of you, there are some other questions that are submitted here. Or if you have any questions you want to submit, go ahead, enter them into our chat board. We will be answering those on Wednesday's This Is Whole Life podcast. So you can find that on anywhere you can find podcasts, and it comes out every Wednesday afternoon, every Wednesday afternoon, morning, right? Morning, morning every so. Wednesday morning. Um, so subscribe to that and get the answers to the rest of the questions. Or if you have any questions, you can still submit them to us, and we'll make sure to tackle them at uh, Wednesday's podcast. Thank you, Haas. Appreciate it. As we close, I just want to take a quick minute. Um, you know, uh, Rochelle and our family, we were pastoring in Nashville prior to coming here. And I just want to take a moment to let any of my family from Nashville that might be tuned in today, um, just know that uh, you've been in my thoughts and prayers this week. Um, 
So uh, that, that uh, the shooting that took place at that elementary school hit pretty close to, to home for us. My wife's a teacher. She taught at a Presbyterian church that was a, a school that was about 15 minutes away from that school um, with teachers that knew each other. And um, so our thoughts and prayers really truly do go out for all those who've been affected by this. And, and not only them, but I also want to pray for the, um, the family of the person who perpetrated that. Sometimes we forget the kind of the pain and the grief that a family goes through when somebody that they love does something that, that's inexplicable and hard to understand. So I just want to pray for that family as well. So as we close out today, I'm going to say a prayer for that, for Nashville, for all the hurt that's going on in the world right now. Um, and I also want to remind you that next week, um, we are going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus here in this church. We are going to celebrate the hope in a broken world. Um, and so I really want to invite you to come back. There is never a bad week to invite your friends and family to come to Whole Life, but next week is an especially good week to have your friends and family here. So we invite you to, to, to come and be a part of our celebration of Easter next uh, Saturday here, 9.30 and 12 o'clock. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, our hearts go out to a world that's hurting right now. Particularly, Lord, I lift up Nashville to you. Pray for... Um, so many people right now that are grieving the loss of people that they love. We think about a pastor who lost his only daughter. We think about the, a family that lost a child who did something inexplicable and probably something they couldn't have ever imagined that child doing. And so we pray for the hurt and the pain that they are suffering right now. We pray that you'd wrap your arms around them. Lord, we uh, lift up this broken world to you, thanking you that you've given us the assurance that you are... You have freed us from slavery. You have freed us from sin. We have nothing to fear. You, have, you are there with us, and as we make mistakes, you're still there with us. Thank you for that kind of unconditional love. We pray in your name. Amen. Family, I love you. Go love your world. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.